in researching the theme of our series, Comfort and Joy, I ran across a lighthearted little incident to share from a message about actually hanging on to joy in the face of disruption or discouragement. So imagine this family situation. You walk into the living room, and five little kids are huddled together over here, and and they're concentrating intently on something, and they're going like, oh, you're so cute, and, and look at that. Isn't that wonderful? So you sneak on over to peek at what's causing all this joy. And right in the middle of the living room are five baby skunks. So you yell, run! And the kids, hearing imminent danger in your voice, each grab a baby skunk and run like crazy. (laughs) Okay? You know, sometimes somebody just takes all the fun out of whatever you're doing. And although it's rare that you panic over a room full of skunks, but whether you're maybe anxious or maybe angry, suddenly all the joy is gone. And this time of year, people can find their joys blocked by troubles less appealing than baby skunks. So we can be facing personal despair over worries and grief over painful loss. If we're listening or watching to just about anything, it seems like anger and discouragement are broadcast as entertainment, or certainly used to grab our attention. I've heard it said that there are basically two kinds of people in the world, people who choose joy and people who don't. Those who choose joy do so in spite of problems and pitfalls and pressures. I don't quite agree with that. I suspect the two kinds of people in the world are those who find out how to get back to joy and those who do not find how. So how do we get back to joy if we've kind of pulled back from it or it's a little bit dim? Let's consider for a moment what we mean by joy. For me, it's not the dictionary definition of an emotion. An emotion, emotion of great delight or happiness that is a synonym for bliss or pleasure or rapture. That's a very nice definition, but it's missing depth. I call it joy light. Now let's consider the verb for joy light, to enjoy. To enjoy. I don't mean the kind of enjoy related to my own enjoyment of um, chocolate. Or, God forbid, substances more insidious. To enjoy, the definition brings delight. So, show of hands... Anybody but me willing to admit watching cat videos for a little enjoyment? Or puppies? Some are, some are going for you. There's the puppy crowd. Right. Hopefully we enjoy Facebook friends who share links that are kind and gentle and amusing. And then we actually get face-to-face together to enjoy one another and what we're providing for each other. Like at Thanksgiving. To enjoy, to bring delight. This Thanksgiving at our house uh, was an example of enjoying in spite of a little obstacle for me. And I don't mean difficult conversations 
people may have faced that too. But no, my problem was I'm a traditionalist at Thanksgiving where I really enjoy um, setting what is used to be called a fine table. And uh, to tell the truth, I still like to play tea party. So this year we're in the middle, though, of downsizing. And I was feeling a little morose. More than a little morose. Because our, all our beautiful stuff is at the other house. So we're having Thanksgiving at the brand new house without all my fine table treasures. Okay? So we're going to commemorate without my beauties. So I hover in the kitchen all day. I'm getting the meal ready. My son-in-law, Brad, always creates the vat of mashed potatoes that he enjoys. So we're ready to go. And I'm being brave for the sake of the others. And my daughter, Christine, yells from the dining room. She says, we got the video rolling. Brad, parade in the mashed potatoes. So at about six foot four, his measured stride and his dignity are really fitting for the mountain of mashed potatoes that size. And then Christine next yells, Mom, parade in the turkey. As I pace into the dining room, there it is. Christine and my grandsons have laid the entire table in a spectrum of gleaming, transparent plasticware. Note especially the fine placemats made of bounty paper and the carefully laid out plastic spoons and forks, some black, some transparent, quite, quite festive. So, and the open can of olives as a serving dish. It's priceless. So I burst out laughing. I was glad for so much and then inspired. So I said, grab hands, everybody, for a one-word grace. Hallelujah. And joy came back indeed. So I hope each of us can remember fond times we enjoyed together, whether recently or further back in our memory. But there is a deeper, a more powerful joy. For me, joy is not simply the opposite of unhappiness or sorrow. Maybe that resonates for many of y'all too. Joy, for me, is the light we sing about here in the beloved community. Joy is the source of the recharge for my soul. There's a verb for that deeper joy as well. To rejoice. To be glad. To make joyful. The kind of joy I want to speak of now is a deeper, quieter joy. A profound joy available to each of us, even when there are obstacles or even deep grief. And I've been there. We may know and love folks who are there right now. I've recovered from a depression brought on by deep grief. And even further back in my spiritual journey, there was a very dark time. I asked Reverend Lee if it was appropriate to share what amounts to a story of recovery from self-loathing. She reminded me of a quote by Wendell Berry. He advises, be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. (laughs) And I like that one, too. In a small group this spring here at Wellsprings, 
I shared this story for the first time. And I share it because often people have told me that it seems joy comes easily to me. And now it does. So here goes. Spoiler alert. I found joy at the bottom of a well of despair. Some years back, I was at the point of desperation for a situation I could not solve and could not pull away from. During that time, my self-talk, the stuff you say to yourself silently, was obsessively, well, vicious to myself. I was saying, what's wrong with you? You know better. I said to myself, you're a waste of breath on this planet. I got to figure this out. I got to stop this. I'm worthless if I can't do better, if I can't be better. So laying there in bed one midnight, still awake, berating myself, really hating myself and ashamed, I got up, totally fed up, ready to harm myself. At the point of dark decision, I hesitated. I thought, crap. I stopped. Instead of violence against myself, I actually dropped to my hands and knees and I began silently repeating, help, help, help. I was done. I was done complaining. I was done trying to figure it out. I was done. I thought I was done with life. And from midnight to four, I just knelt there empty, done. And then, as if it was a tiny spark of light, it was as if I could see a tiny spark of light. And as I saw that light, I physically felt a wash of warmth and as if there was an embrace of comfort and forgiveness and acceptance. And as if I was told, get up, go lay down in the bed, it'll be okay. And it was, and it is. Ever since then, I have had access to what was given to me by grace Joy in trouble. Joy that's always steadfast. Joy that I wish I could pour into every person, every situation, everything that we face. When we have grief, when we have sorrow, there is also access to joy. Now, I got to tell you, stuff continues to just be the facts. As well, as Wendell Berry says, choose joy in spite of the fact you've looked at the facts. There's been times of anger. I get very angry. Disappointment. There's been occasional shame. And hey, there's, there are obstacles to joy. There's still bad times. My temper didn't disappear. My ability to be foolish or lazy or downright nasty didn't disappear either. But joy has remained available throughout these times of great grief. Notice that I do not list grief as an obstacle. For me, grief only shadows joy. Depression only holds joy at a distance, but does not block it. Joy exists alongside sorrow 
and even tragedy. This week, my husband Pete had a tour of Quantico, Virginia, as an alumni of the FBI Citizen Academy. There, Hollywood set designers have built an entire town for the FBI to train their special agents. And the set's very real. You can get a cup of coffee at the coffee shop, and the bank down there at Hogan's Alley, that's what they call it, gets robbed five days a week. (laughs) But otherwise, it's a typical little town with a hardware store, a bakery, whatever. And the FBI was privileged at Hogan's Alley to fulfill the make-a-wish of a 10-year-old girl with an aggressive brain cancer. She wanted to be an FBI agent and arrest her own father. (laughs) So the Bureau brought her and her family in from Cleveland, and she was made an FBI special agent. Suddenly, there was a bank robbery. The robbers were cornered in the store and ready to come out. So she was given the bullhorn. Go ahead. You're the special agent. Tell them. Come walk out slowly with your hands over your head. Out they came. Now take off your masks. They take off their mask. One of them's her father. So she turns to the special agent that's helping her and she says, Can I order them to do whatever I want? <laughs> he goes, Yes, you can. Do the Macarena. And her dad and the others cheerfully obeyed. (laughs) So joy, joy does exist, even alongside sorrow and even tragedy. And I've found that the deeper the sorrow and the grief, actually the warmer, the glow of joy that sustains us when we pull closer, pull closer back joy to our heart. We can turn back toward the light, We can pull closer when we've been pulled away. So, how can each of us claim or reclaim joy? Thich Nhat Hanh offers a caution. He says, most of us experience a life full of wonderful moments and difficult moments. But for many of us, even when we are most joyful, there's fear behind our joy. And I think we fear loss. Will this wonderful moment last? No. Hmm. Will there be another one? Reach out. You've not really forgotten how. It's kind of like knowing how to ride a bicycle. Once you get balance, you've always got it. Even if you haven't ridden a bicycle in 10 years, you get back on and balance comes right back. And so does knowing how to have a moment that is joyful. There's a great support, though, to being able to reclaim joy is to have a spiritual practice, one that really appeals to you, one that engages you. And it's not obligation time for that kind of spiritual practice. It's connection time, belonging time, or maybe serene time or fun time for the spirit. A dear friend of mine is a Navy admiral. He's going through some personal struggles and Bill says in the Navy they say there is fun no fun and negative fun so use uncomfortable feelings as kind of an alert for yourself if you are in no fun or negative fun either solve something is there something for you to solve 
or pull back toward joy. Here's the deal with choosing a spiritual practice. Find the one or ones that fit you. Um, Perhaps a talkative extrovert would find chanting works and also silent meditation and mindfulness. Paying attention, concentrating on one thing, being mindful. There might be joy in taking um, Bonami in the south. That's what we call it. Take Bonami to the bottom of the pots at a retreat center and have at it. I would not miss that silent retreat coming up on January 12th in the beginning of the new year. It's going to be special for me. And I hope people consider joining that silent retreat as well, January 12th. Also, to draw closer to joy, we share it. We spread it. Our great American philosopher, Mark Twain, has a suggestion. Grief can take care of itself, but to get the full value of joy, you must have somebody to divide it with. Now, I don't know if grief really takes care of itself, but the full value of joy, our HeartWorks team has a real handle on that. And we've got our hugs drive, our angel tree, our candy canes, the actions we can actually take to share a moment of joy with others. Our Justice Works team also finding other ways to make this world better. All that we offer each other in connection, that's a part of sharing joy. This morning, I would like us to reach out to that deep joy. The deep joy that I call us to is warm and still and fuels compassion. Maybe this resonates for many of us. The deep joy is the light we sing about here in the beloved community. That profound, ever-available joy to me is the fuel that we say allows the divine spark in each of us to burn on. It warms our compassion. It fires our delight. It lights our path. Joy is the source of recharge for my soul. Whether the light of joy is bright for us today or maybe more dim, both are part of a natural cycle. May we know that finding and refinding joy whether it's bright or whether it's dim and we want it brighter, is a form of grace always available to us. And for that, I say amen. Will you pray with me? God of our heart's understanding, with us now and always, we open our hearts now and always. As your creatures, we share joy and we share sorrow. May we go forth today knowing your grace will sustain us now and forever. Amen.